this is Big Talk. Michael Glab here. My guest this week, for the next two weeks actually, is one of Bloomington's most beloved musicians, music teachers, performers. She's also the parent of Youth Radio on WFHB. My guest is Sarah Flint. Sarah, hi. Welcome to Big Talk. Thanks, Michael. Sarah is no stranger to these studios. She has been here, I mean, uh, next to 20 years ago. She oh, even first more. volunteered here at WFHP. When, when exactly? Well, I was out at Radio Ridge uh, just observing, uh. even before these studios were here. But the minute they moved downtown, I wanted to get involved and uh, since I had my FCC license when I was 14, I'm, I'm just a fan of radio. I've always been a fan. Now, wait a minute. Why would you get an FCC license at 14? It was part of my desire to create and be around music, always. Well, you grew up in uh, the Michigan City, Indiana area. Yes. And you fell in love with music by listening to it live. <laughs> Go ahead, tell us about that. Uh, my parents had a restaurant. There was dinner theater there, so I also got that bug. But my, my bedroom was up above the bar where the jazz band played. <laughs> so I would lay my head down on the pillow and get that upright bass. Till how late in the, or early in the morning? Oh, well, they went, you know, till midnight or something. Wow. But, yeah. <laughs> well, Sarah Flint, as I say, is a performer. Now, she has released several albums, uh, Sarah's Swing Set, Who's Your Darling? The Perfect Gift is another of her albums. Well, that uh, The Perfect Gift is the second album from Sarah's swing set. Uh-huh. And uh, there was The Royals before that. Oh. Before that was Stone Road. There was four albums there. I guess I should tell the listeners that you and I have a history uh, for about a year or so. You were my guitar teacher. Yeah. I remember you saying, make it like a windshield wiper, you know, up and down, up and down. You steady know? as a rock. Yeah. Steady, steady as a rock, yes. <laughs> You're still teaching people. Your uh, studio remains on the square. Yep. But a lot of your teaching is done online now. Online. I just love it. It, of course, it happened immediately at the pandemic. Right. Uh, my students didn't miss a week. Huh. We just went online. At first, I had some students on Skype and some on Zoom and some on FaceTime. Wow. <laughs> and it was quite confusing for me as I would switch from student to student. But then I got a website called Musi, and that, that allows me to meet with everybody there, huh. uh, to share materials between students, to make videos explaining a concept. My students can make videos for me. They can access me during the week if they have questions. So I feel <laughs> like so it's like it's almost a better experience. It's, it's almost better, you say, because I would think that a, a, a teacher might say, oh, I, I miss that, the eye contact and the, the, the presence of the human being. 
but you're you're awfully close. You're there. You're facing each other. You're you're seeing the, their facial expression when they're questioning something or when they get something. So I'm even more organized, I think. Wow. Because I can just access everything right there. Like a lot of people, I bet you were scared to death when the pandemic hit saying, "Oh no, what's going to happen to my business?" Yeah. No. Just did not know. But it no worked one knew. Out well, yeah. So you started performing with bands back in 1983, uh, 82, 82. Even I'm going to name some of the bands that I dug up that you that you've been with: Blue Hue and the Color Tones. Oh yeah. Film at eleven. Yes. For those of us of a certain age, that was a thing we heard. Uh, uh, at night, teasers for the news, film at 11. Exactly, yeah, yeah. it was supposed to be just kind of a, a joke. But that particular band had Mark Platty in it, and he went on to be David Bowie's right-hand man. Get out. So, so I'm very uh, proud of hanging out with Mark <laughs> Platty. <laughs> well, that's not the only uh, celebrity that you have worked with. We'll get to that. Other bands, The Mix... Yes. Dr. Bop and the Headliners. Some of uh, you remember that band. <laughs> or maybe you don't. You, would, you were in a blackout at the time. <laughs> hey, not terribly long after you actually started performing live, next thing you know, you're appearing on John Mellencamp's album, Scarecrow. Yeah. How did that happen? I worked at Disc Jockey Records in the mall. Uh-huh. And he came in, and I threw my demo tape onto the <laughs> overhead speakers. You and, sneak. <laughs> and as he was asking and looking for things like Joe South, and yeah. he was so shocked that I had no idea who that was <laughs> and made me feel bad about it, but, but that's okay. Uh, I, I agree <laughs> that I should know about Joe South. But now you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, and then I casually mentioned that that was me we were listening to, and uh, Priscilla came in to pick up the records he had uh, picked out later and invited me out to the studio. So you sang? Mm-hmm. You played? Just sang. Just sang. Yeah. You are a singer. You have been singing with a lot of people. You were singing with the Gospel Girls. Yes. Who are no longer the Gospel Girls. Well, the pandemic took its toll on a lot of things, like the Firehouse Follies. That's right. Although, I've, I, rumor has it, there's something well, starting well, up We've got to keep our ears open. We've got to keep our, uh, our head to the rail to find out who's your darling. Yeah. Did that come out of the Gospel Girls, or is it a different lineup? It is exact same lineup, exact same songs. The only difference is we couldn't get a gig. <laughs> as the gospel girls. <laughs> People probably thought, oh, they're going to sing religious music. So, exactly. Yeah. Even though we were singing things like, atheists have no songs. <laughs> you know, that reminds me, when I was a kid, and I'm sure you remember this too, you're not nearly as old as I am, trust me, but when I was a kid, Top 40 Radio, right? The beauty of Top 40 Radio was... Such a wide variety of music that you got. It, it broadened your horizons of appreciation. 1969, summer of that year, was a big hit by the Edwin Hawkins singers. Oh, Happy Day. 
it was called. It was a gospel song on the radio. It played between the Rolling Stones and the Beatles, and it, that was beautiful. That's a great memory for wow, me. Wow, yeah. Yeah. You lived in Florida for a little while. A tiny while, yes. A tiny while. And then you came back to Indiana. Uh, via the Mediterranean. You toured the Mediterranean with your favorite songwriter. Yes, Tim Tryon. Tim Tryon. So you were an act. Yeah, yeah. We, we did, uh, you know, uh, we entertained the troops. So we were, even though we were in Crete and Sicily and Italy and um, Spain and uh, all those places, we were on military bases. How does one set this up? Who do you, who do you have to go through to, to be the one who goes to these bases? We had done this tour, uh, tours for the military twice. Before that was the Whoopi Cats. Ah, if you want to throw that one on there. There you go. Tons <laughs> and, of bands. And the Whoopi Cats went to Greenland huh. for three weeks. And then uh, when we moved to Florida and uh, things were kind of dying down there for us as a duo, I contacted uh, Washington, D.C., and, and, and that's how you get it. They send someone out, or at least 25 years ago, that's what they did. <laughs> You came here then after coming back from Florida, and as you say, you were uh, at the blockhouse, uh, the the temporary home of um, WFHB. Yeah, it's still there. It's still out there it's on Rockport there. Road. Yep. Then you started hosting a program. Yes, the Breakfast Cafe on Tuesday mornings. What kind of music? Bonnie Raitt was my real go-to, wow. but I, I probably overdid it a little bit at first. Oh. But um, yeah, just loved uh, Southern culture on the skids and oh, yeah. La, La Odetta. And, Fried you know, chicken. Yes, and <laughs> <Southern>. gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> so you were doing that, and then you got an idea. Well, it just seemed so easy. You just start talking, right? You yeah. get on the radio, you play a song, you introduce it, you say the weather. A lot of the things are already uh, written out for you. And uh, for me as a singer, that's kind of the, the my go-to. Somebody else has written the lyrics and I just sing them, right? <laughs> so the, the weather's written out there for you and your um, sponsorships and things. And, yeah. and I thought this is really basically easy. You just flip some switches, and gosh, I would love to hear little tiny voices, and I would love to hear what teens are thinking, and and just, uh, it seemed easy enough that a kid could do it. What did you do about it? <laughs> so I was a substitute teacher at the time, which gave me the access to kids, and then I also had some, uh, suddenly some stepchildren to work with and didn't do that very well at first. <laughs> so that's why I became a substitute teacher to kind of understand people younger than myself. So I was able to like mention it in um, schools and things that there was an opportunity to come to community radio and try to create some programming. Did you come up with the actual name Youth Radio at the time? I did. That's, so that's your uh, baby all the way. And then, you know, a little while later, I found out there were youth radios all over the country. Uh -huh. I'm going to jump ahead briefly 
Please. Because uh, we got to go to the youth radio. It was a national radio convention, but there was a huge youth radio portion to it. Yeah, yeah. And, And I took eight kids from Bloomington to San Francisco. What kind of things would you learn at a at an event like that? Well, Ira Glass told us about how to tell a story. No kidding. Um, Michael Toms was there. That's just the people that I know our listeners might know yeah, who yeah. they are. Yeah. The kids, tell me about their excitement level, about coming into a studio. Because I know when I was a kid, I was on radio when I was... 13 and 14 years old. Excellent. And I just thought I was in charge of the world. Exactly. Because my voice is going out there. And you've got a voice, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Do you find that the kids had that same awe of it? Well, and remember, you know, 30 years ago, Radio had a little more pull in the yes, universe. Absolutely. Uh, so, radio was almost like being on TV, and of course, being on TV was everything. Oh, golly. So, uh, yes, it was exciting for them to think that they their voices might be heard, their ideas might be heard, their music might be heard. So, they were excited. I'm trying to think, uh, back in the mid-90s, because this is when this is all starting, uh, even early-ish 90s, uh, what kind of music would the 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old be listening to? It was amazingly varied. Aha! Uh-huh. There were uh, lots of... Um, of the classic rock things, yeah. you know, people reaching back in into the 60s and 70s. Yeah. There were people that were jazz. Wow. You know, we have a, a quite a rich jazz tradition here in Bloomington. And yes. so a lot of people, uh, uh, kids, have, have been raised on that. Which you don't generally associate with kids. You generally yeah. think of like 45-year-old people who have beards. Yeah. <laughs> No. Um, they would often surprise me with their choices. Did they bring their own music in, or did they go through our library? Uh, a mix of both. Yeah. Yeah. They would, they would get excited about looking through the library, but then also they would haul in all their CDs. Yeah. <laughs> now, back then, was there a block of time, a program for the show Youth Radio? About 95 or 96, we went on the air for an hour on Saturday, 4 to 5. So what would you have to do? I'm sure there were like 10 kids who wanted to go on the air. How did you weed them out, if if that's the proper term? Oh, well, there, there weren't that many at first. Oh. It was kind of uh, lonely. At first, I had a, I had a couple of kids, and and they would come in, and we'd we'd create some um, station IDs and some join youth radio spot pieces yeah, yeah. because we needed to generate more interest. Put the word out. Yeah, 
And what better way than radio? No kidding. <laughs> so then, so here, here comes uh, Saturday night. It's time to go live on the air, and I'm sure they were, ooh, they were uh, full of energy and nervousness and all that. Were you hanging over their shoulders to make sure they did things right? I was petrified. You were petrified. <laughs> I was petrified that. You know, the, the wrong words would slip out oh. at the wrong time or that they would choose a piece of music that would have the wrong words. There are those pieces of music, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, we had to do a live uh, blip when they wanted to play uh, Money by Pink Floyd. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> BS is the word, if I recall correctly. Yep, yep. Yeah, which we still can't say on the air yeah, so, <laughs> these days. So there we are, you know, with our hands on the dial to, to knock it out at the right moment. <laughs> How did it grow? We, well, again, you know, once it got on the air, then we were able to kind of mention it at different times and, and put out PSAs and things, posters at the library and such. Yeah, and, yeah. and it went pretty well for a while, but it was taking up a lot of time. For me, you know, it would take uh, five, six, seven hours, eight hours a week. And I was also trying to support my family and trying to play music. And it got a little bit challenging for me at one point. And also when the when the interest died down, you know, like summer's hit and then yeah. everybody's busy. and Vacations. Yeah. Um, but then... Rhinos stepped in. Aha, rhinos. Now, for anybody who doesn't know, and I'm sure there are a few listeners out there, and even me, because I, uh, as I've said many times on this program, I arrived in this town in 2009. Rhinos was a thing already. What was it? Well, it's part of Harmony School, which is a, a lovely com community school uh, in a hundred-year-old building where everybody takes care of each other and uh, like they don't have a janitor the parents yeah. come in and help clean up and lots it's run almost like WFHB with a with a load of volunteers yep. ma making things happen so um they started Rhinos um, and then put Brad Wilhelm in charge, and uh -huh. a very charismatic and uh, loving human being that created a safe space for teens to hang out. A physical space? Yes. Where uh, was it? It was in the strip mall next to where the project school is now. Aha. Uh -huh. But that strip mall's not there anymore. Yeah, there's <laughs> yeah, a, a big new apartment big, complex uh, there. One more box apartment, yes. <laughs> we don't have enough of those, do we? <laughs> but uh, that was a great space for, for teens to hang out. And then at that point, um, I got about 30 volunteers. And I'm not real good with big groups of people, organizing big groups of people. I can entertain them or sing or or play my guitar but creating activities for them to do is not my forte uh -huh. but luckily um because it was sponsored by rhinos I got, I got some assistance and some tips and some help and then we also got a grant that got us a, a whole studio we had a whole studio there at rhino at rhinos okay so they, the physical space where Rhinos was 
was the actual place where you were either recording or going live. Um, we would create things there uh-huh. and I then see. bring them over here to go live. Pre-recorded stuff yeah. for the live show. Yes. And about 30 kids uh, involved at certain points. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty popular. And a lot of those kids have gone on to become part of our community now. Yeah. You know, Nick Romy is a guitar repair yeah. uh, genius over at Ardent Music and... There's a couple of bands, uh, Busman's Holiday. Oh, I love those guys. I've had them on the show several times. They're, they're a couple of my favorite guys. Yeah. Uh, and I'm probably uh, leaving out so many of the kids that have grown up and become part of our community now. So when you were doing this, youth radio was your baby for a while. And then, you, of course, you had help from Brad Wilhelm and Rhinos. How much time were you devoting to this each week? A lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, You know, if you have a a two-hour meeting after school uh, one day a week, you have to prepare for that. and, And then they create little things, and then you have to listen to them and and maybe uh check or edit or have them redo it if it if the if the levels weren't right uh-huh. or things like that so yeah it took it, it takes a lot were you a taskmaster um uh, no <laughs> and that, if if i was it probably would have <laughs> been more efficient but it took me a lot of time just because i'm i'm not very organized <laughs> <laughs> well i know you as my guitar teacher you were very patient Uh, you didn't clunk me over the head you didn't hit me over the knuckles with a ruler (laughs) or anything like that but you would say do it this way the rhythm Uh, that's that's the key you can go to sarah flint's website and by the way if you google sarah flint don't be confused this sarah (laughs) flint does not make luxury shoes i don't (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there is a Sarah Flint in this nation who makes luxury shoes. Uh, I think you wear comfortable shoes, don't you? I try to. Yeah. <laughs> What's your website? SarahFlintMusic.com. And you can sign up for lessons. Yes. You can buy albums. Yes. You can learn about Sarah. A little bit. Uh, a little bit. about Musically, at least. Yes. Music is basically everything to you. Uh, on my website, I also have my little section about yoga and meditation. Ah. So that's that's another personality of, of my Sybil selection. Uh-huh. <laughs> yoga and meditation. But in a way, can't music put you in a trance like yoga? Very much so. I am now working on, uh, I have a harmonium, which is a droney keyboard, old-fashioned instrument from hundreds of years ago. It's got bellows, so that's how it runs. No kidding. And it is designed for a joyful music celebration called kirtan. And that's my my latest uh, adventure in in music, combining music and meditation and yoga. 
Now, the harmonium, is that one of those instruments where the moment you'd hear it, you'd say, oh, so that's what a harmonium is? Perhaps you might confuse it with a, with a pump organ. Oh. Yeah, because uh-huh. it's just an itty-bitty pump organ. How many instruments do you play? Well, let's see. I've got the harmonium now, thanks to ha- uh, heart, Nourishing Heart Yoga. Okay. Uh-huh. They're loaning it to me. Do they actually um, make those things still? Harmoniums? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. All right. You. So you play the harmonium. Um, and then guitar, ukulele, flute, and that's probably about it. I think that ukulele in the last, should we say, 15 years or so, there's been like a rebirth of the ukulele. It's a glorious instrument. It's easy. It's simple to carry around. It can play any song that a guitar can play Right. in its own sort of uh, simplified way. Yeah. But it makes it easy to learn, and it's um, not so hard on your fingers. So it's a delightful instrument. It's always joyful. Every once in a while I see people who are guitar players, and they on social media they might put on a picture of their fingertips. Mm-hmm. And, boy, I see those calluses there. And yep. it's just, you too? Let's, yep. Oh, yeah, you can see it. There's actually grooves in the tips <laughs> of your fingers from yep. the strings. Yes. <laughs> the price you pay to be a musician. I can't feel a puppy's fur with my left hand, <laughs> but I just pet the puppy with my right hand. <laughs> I remember talking to a guitar player once. I go, this stuff is hard. I was just learning. And he says, guess what? The farther you go along, the harder it gets. Uh, I would have to agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, however, when I'm teaching guitar, I look for the simplest road so that people have success in their learning. And um, the more I learn, the more I find tricks to make it simple. Uh-huh. Uh, like I was telling you a little while before we started about um, doing an open tuning, and then you just bar uh, the whole, all six strings, and you don't have to be involved in hiding, in, in making sure that every string is ringing while you're pushing down some and not pushing down others. and Turning your fingers into yeah. a pretzel. Yes, yes. <laughs> and for those of us who aren't uh, guitar players, uh, listeners, uh, barring means you use the one finger and you cover all the strings on a fret. Yes, and now um, it's as if I've learned a new instrument because wow. I'm studying Joni Mitchell's oh. songs. None of them are in normal tunings, which I did not realize until recently. She's an open quarter? She created over 50 open tunings. So her system is unique, and that's why her songs sound so unique. And when you try to play them with a regular guitar and Uh regular tuning, they sound flat and dumb. Yeah. And I just thought, Oh, those aren't good songs to play or something? But now that I've discovered this open tuning system, I'm, I'm, it's as if it's a whole new instrument. Tune in next week for the second half of our chat with musician, teacher, performer, and founder of WFHB's Youth Radio, Sarah Flint. Sarah Flint.